Million dollar deal is on the line. You're a sales executive who just flew eight hours into a foreign country to help close the sale. Business as usual dictates that the account rep briefs you all morning long before meeting the customer for lunch. Or if you're this episode's guest, Vaughn Woods, you get all the information you need on a cab ride over to the account. Welcome to Here's What I Know, the podcast featuring the career lessons of today's most courageous and innovative executives. The very name of Vaughn Woods' company describes the type of executives we seek to learn from. Vaughn is currently the CEO of Maverick Asia, a company that lets him dabble in interests as diverse as property development and executive mentoring. Before founding Maverick Asia, Vaughn built up the Asia-Pacific business for CollabNet. Prior to that, he worked for IBM, where he was responsible for transforming a new software sales team into the fastest-growing business within IBM's multi-billion-dollar software division. We chose to interview Vaughn because, well, well, we've worked with him, we like him, and he has a great Australian accent. Plus, he has a wonderful reputation. Despite his kinship to Mavericks, on second thought, or maybe because of it, his teams always love him, other executives respect him, and he brings success to those around him. He's resourceful, creative, and a fast thinker. <laughs> and when he presents in front of a crowd, he seems more like a rock star than a software sales executive. So we wanted to find out how he approached his career and what we could learn from him. From his office in Singapore, here's what Vaughn Woods knows. Have you ever had a situation where you were smarter than your boss? Or maybe it wasn't quite uh, that white or black, but you knew you were right about something and your boss was wrong about it. And if so, how did you handle that situation? The way to um, work a situation like that to your advantage is to really become, I guess, a trusted advisor to that person. So uh, to listen and understand where they're coming from and not wanting change but also to be able to put your point of view across so that it's it's done so in a credible way, backed up with facts, and also enlist the help of other people who are uh, also trusted advisors to, to that individual. But the trick, of course, is to do it in such a way that it doesn't look, there's no loss of face for the individual that's running the team, especially if they're vehemently opposed to it. And often when they are vehemently opposed to it, Especially in, a, in an open meeting situation, you're better off to bite your tongue and accept the decision and then, and then go back later, try to, to, to get your, your plan up again. The way you say trusted advisor, it reminds me of a sales process. Yeah, it is. At the end of the day, when you're tr- trying to convince a superior that they need to do something a different way, you're selling. Becoming a trusted advisor, everybody knows, is the easiest way to sell. You know, if you can get to that particular status in their eyes just makes your life easier and, and, and you tend to get your arguments or your business cases listened to more often and, and the results more successful. What's the fastest way to piss you off? Tell me something and then do something else. Any manager, any, any senior executive, all we crave is honesty. And uh, often, particularly in the sales business, which I'm in, particularly in the forecasting process, You'll, you'll find individuals who don't have the nerve to, to say they're, they're light on forecast for a particular month or a particular quarter. If they come clean and told you they had an issue, you could throw some people in to help and, uh, and assist them in making the quarter. Have you been able to rep, uh, help some reps turn around a quarter when, you've, when they've been frank with you? Oh, every time. 
the help gets narrowed down to three or four individual things that are going to make 80% of the difference in turning that quarter around, and that's what we go do, and, and it works every time. Vaughn, as I read your bio, um, I, I thought that your career was pretty much characterized by big turnarounds. Which of those are you most proud of, and, and how did you pull it off? The acquisition by a large company of a, of a much smaller software company with vastly different cultures. That particular company had suffered huge attrition in the three months prior to me um, me taking over. So the figures went backwards, everything went backwards, morale had plummeted. We managed to turn that business around within 12 months, which was a significant achievement. And not only turn it around to where it was making money again, but turn it around to where it was one of the leading businesses within that company in the world. The keys there were to to, to early on outline the vision that you had for um, for the business going forward, communicate that vision to it, to all and sundry, uh, and keep communicating it. To quickly uh, gain the trust of the individuals that were left, so that you could stem the attrition, and then to go about executing. So um, once you've stemmed the blood, then uh, you need to build your plans going forward again in line with the vision. The key to a successful turnaround is. Once you have a few minor successes, you can you can really uh, generate what I call a roll-on. Um, and you'll see this in sporting teams, you know, where they, there's a, a dramatic turnaround in a, in, a, in a game. It's pretty much unexplainable, but what it amounts to is that the, pe- the people within that team begin to believe in themselves, whereas perhaps in the past there was a lack of self-belief. What are the truisms that have guided your career up to this point? Always think outside the box. It gets paid lip service. I know, you know, every day there are thousands of meetings held where people are instructed to think outside the box, but I've made it a habit. If someone tells me something must be done a particular way, and I think it's actually, as well as a truism, it's an Australian Australianism. Australians will tend to look for other ways. They will tend to not always accept the status quo. One of the things I, I'm most proud of in my career is that I'll always look for another way or always look for a better way to achieve the end goal. That's one of the other truisms is, you know, it's always four or five things, Jerry. I mean, the amount of uh, meetings I've been a part of or business plans I've been a part of where there are 21 directives issued and each of them has 57 bullet points and, you know, actions are assigned to um, to individuals to cover each one of those bullet points and it, it all gets too big and it all gets too complex and, and people can't execute. So one of the things I've always done is I've kept it simple. You need uh, to, to arrive at four or five specific actions, uh, each which can have a few bullet points, but four or five specific actions that will drive 80% of the change. For anyone out there that's about to uh, arrange a meeting to decide on a specific path to take for a product or for an organisation, that should be the goal of your meeting, to, to get to the other side, knowing the four or five things that are going to make 80% of the difference. The third thing I think, Jerry, and, and probably the most important is values. Whenever I've taken over a team or taken over an organisation or um, come in to assist uh, a group of people, I'll communicate my values to them. Those values are honesty, integrity and, and um, fun. Not very complex. Uh, again, I'm a simple person. If you can be honest in everything you do, if you can conduct yourself with high integrity uh, and in the process have some fun, I think you've pretty much got uh, the business world sorted out. Well, something else from what we know about you and heard from your employees really is that you have this remarkable ability to inspire loyalty. So what's your secret there? I think the values. 
uh, Dan, to be honest. When you're a senior executive, the temptation's often there to, to not tell the whole truth or let's say, for example, that you're, you need to do an organisational restructure and as a part of that, then some individuals are going to, to lose their roles or be reassigned to different roles. Now, the temptation there and, and what most senior executives will do is they will, they will put off the inevitable until the last possible moment and even then they'll probably try to have someone else do it for them. It's much easier to sit down with someone and say, look, this isn't working. Your skill set doesn't match this particular role or for organisational reasons we've chosen to, um, uh, to disband this team. We need to look at your particular skill set, look at what you're best at so that you can wake up in the morning and, and want to do your job. That conversation is much, much easier to have and generates a far more positive result and putting things off or um, blaming market reasons or whatever. It's my values that inspire, I guess, that loyalty because my people will always know that I'll tell them the truth. If I can't tell them something for confidential reasons, I'll just say to them, I can't tell you uh, for confidential reasons. And people will accept that. It's not really an issue. So if you, if you pronounce your values early and then live by them, and, and, and I mean really live by them, then, then you'll inspire loyalty without a doubt. Fun, I, I want to... Um comment and, and ask you about something that I saw in, in your bio again. The term you used there was, um, you say you enjoy the thrust and cut of face-to-face business across multiple cultures. And um, I was thinking thrust and cut, that's quite a term. You know, it almost sounds violent. So what do you mean by that, and, and why do you like it that way? I, I think because I, I don't like to be bored. I'm no armchair executive. You can't be, if you want to lead a successful sales organization you can't direct them from your armchair in your office you really can't you've got to get out there and you've got to um you've got to show them uh, not how it's done but you've got to uh, assist them in getting it done and, and if there's some coaching or some mentoring to be done along the way even better if, if you're a senior executive in um one of the companies i've worked for and you have to do a uh, a sales call on a customer you know an executive sponsorship call or, or a call to close a particular deal Typically, you'll ask your sales rep for a full briefing prior, so you'll get 40 PowerPoint slides. Then you'll get into their office, uh, you'll fly to the country, you'll get into their office at 9am, you'll have an all-morning mor- uh, all meeting where the ins and outs of the entire customer and sales engagements are explained to you, and it, and, and to, and it bores you. It absolutely bores you to tears. Why I call it the cut and thrust is typically I'll fly into a country, wake up, have some breakfast, jump in a taxi, get a... Um, get a five-minute briefing on the way to the customer's site, and then we go into action. The taxi cab pitch, is that the... Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, it's the elevator pitch. You, you know, again, it comes back to keeping things simple, you know. There's always four or five things, you know. There's four or five things that a customer needs to know your product is going to do to make his life easier or solve his particular business problem or add this much to his bottom line or whatever. It's always four or five things. You don't need to do 40 PowerPoint slides. You don't need to do three-hour presentations on your entire, the entire history of the engagement with the customer. And typically when I get out to that customer's site, I won't use PowerPoint. PowerPoint to me is the most overused tool in the world. If I need to explain something, you know, give me a blank whiteboard and a, um, a whiteboard marker and I'm in my element. Is there a difference in how you react with a customer when you've been, you know, briefed up the wazoo versus getting your five-minute briefing on a, on a car ride over to them? Totally. If you've, if you've been quickly briefed, say, in the cab on the way to the customer, you're excited when you get there. The customer will, um, you know, in every sales engagement, the customer basically is a mirror of yourself. 
So if you're excited about it, they'll be excited about it. Now, granted, if it, it, it if dragged into a six-hour negotiation, potentially at the end of six hours, you're not as excited as you were at the beginning. But you kick the meeting off in the right with the right atmosphere. If you've been briefed ad nauseum, you're tired by the time you get there. Your mind is crammed with facts and figures that are superfluous, and you're, you're so distant from the four or five things that are actually going to make a, dis- a difference that, uh, that the meeting becomes ineffective. Why are you proud to have the job you're in right now? I'm most proud because I've, I've got myself into a position that enables me to, uh, to do the things I love to do. Simplicity, a vastly overlooked approach to corporate life. Heck, even to our own lives. Just think, how many phone numbers do you have? How many bank and brokerage accounts? It's difficult enough in home life to simplify, but if you don't have clear focus in your career, where will you end up? As we look at our own careers, what are the four or five things we want to focus on? What are the four or five things that will bring us success in our career and fulfillment in our life? As the noted economist E.F. Schumacher has said, any intelligent fool can make things bigger, more complex, more violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. Especially in today's complicated, high-tech, fast-moving world, simplicity is a lot easier said than done. But I think one of the ways to keep things simple is again following Vaughn's lead. That is, adhering to values of honesty, integrity, and respect for others. As you mull over these thoughts, feel free to drop us a line with any unique insights into your career. We'll keep it simple for you. Just email a note to podcast at mindpulseinc.com. That's podcast at M-I-N-D-P-U-L-S-E-I-N-C dot com. We hope this episode of Here's What I Know adds to what you know. And here's to your success.